This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Are you ready? Yep. Let's guys. Be- Let's do this. Guys, welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader, and I'm here with the PA crew, Jesse Killian and Butch Sullivan. But before we get with these guys, take care of a little bit of business. What do you say? And the first thing's first. I the, this podcast is sponsored by Broadbeck Ironworks. They make 2x72 grinders, knife makers, making grinders and tools for other knife makers. And they just sent me a new grinder, and this thing is amazing. Uh, I'm so impressed with it. They have, they're always innovating. They have new, new attachments. They sent me this adjustable work rest, which is unbelievable. Um, it, it's a great machine, and, and it's not just for knife makers. If you're a woodworker, if you're a metal worker, it's terrific. And we had them on last week. It was a very excited. It was a very good show. It was really neat to hear these guys' story. No, it wasn't like an infomercial. It was really uh, direct, and they, it was a really great show. So just to let you know, they're having a big Black Friday sale. If you go to BroadbackIronworks.com, uh, Friday, uh, the F- Black Friday sale from uh, November 20th through the 27th, uh, it's big sale. They're going to $325 off the Max Plus package, $415 off the Premium Plus grinder, um, $545 off the Super Mega package, $200 off the Surface grinder, 10% off all the attachments. It's a great company. You've heard their story, and they make great... I have two of their grinders now, and this it's amazing grinders. These things are amazing. So go get yourself one of them Broadback Ironworks, or get the attachments or whatever. And they they sell them in kits. They sell them put together. They sell them painted. They give you a lot of options. It's definitely worth it. And uh, for sure, if you don't know more, you want to know more about these guys, Vince and Ryan were on last week, and it was a really great show. So go check it out. Thank you, Broadback Ironworks, of course. Next is Axe Wax. Axe Wax, all-natural food-safe wax for your axe. If you have any wood or steel or stainless or carbon or Damascus, wouldn't it be nice to have something food-safe that finishes great? And Axe Wax is it. If you go to axewax.us and put in promo code FULLBLAST10, you're going to get 10% off all of your order. Get a couple of pucks of Axe Wax. It's, not, it's worth it. And if you're in the U.K., go to UKKnifesupplies.com. They're taking FULLBLAST10. If you're in the EU, knifematerial.at. They're taking Full Blast 10. Gamaco down in Australia, artisansupply.com.au. They're taking Full Blast 10. And in once again, Australia, nordicedge.com.au. They're taking Full Blast 10. So go get yourself some of that Axe Wax and stop fooling around because it's good stuff and you will not be disappointed with it at all. Uh, next is Total Boat. Total Boat makes uh, adhesives, paints, primers, polishing compounds. It started out for boaters and DIYers, and they realized that the maker community could use their products. And one of the people who's using their products is Jimmy DeResta. Jimmy DeResta found a mummified gopher or something under his shed or something like that. And, he, and like a normal person, he thought, what can I do with this dead carcass? Why don't I put it in Total Boat and turn it into the Iceman, Iceman gopher? So he made a disgusting project with a dead animal with the, using, using a total boat. He encapsulated this mummy in total boat, and it looks 
weird, but it worked out perfectly. So if you go to TotalBoat.com and you put in the promo code FULLBLAST10, you can you can put all your dead carcasses in TotalBoat too, and I'm sure you can make something weird, and it'll be fine. If, if you use a TotalBoat, there's other guys using it too. Keith Decent, Derek from Malden, Keith Johnson, Keith Mitchell, they're all using TotalBoat. I don't think they're floating dead animals in it, but they're doing something with it. They're using. I'm using it for knife scales. I just uh, embedded some tangs with Total Boat uh, in on uh, six six new knives, and I'm using the Total Boat for my scales and stuff like that, and you should try it out too. Definitely try out the two-part epoxy. You, you use that high-performance epoxy, and the UV cure stuff is awesome. So go to TotalBoat.com, put in promo code FULLBLAST10 for 10% off all your Total Boat, and, you know, float some dead animals and, you know, make some dead animals in art. I guess. I don't know what to tell you. You got to talk to you. I got to get Jimmy DiResta back in here and see what the hell's wrong with him. Um, we'll see about that. Next is Trojan Horse Forge. Trojan Horse Forge makes this stable rail knife finishing vice. Their vices are built in the heart of Texas. And they're designed to take your handle finishing and your knife finishing to a whole new level. Uh, I'm amazed with these vice, these vices, these uh, knife finishing vices. They have a plat platform that you bolt on, so you can hand sand your knife blades, and then you can turn it around and use it to uh, finish your handles. And it's it's terrific, and it moves all the way around. It moves all, it's far more advanced than you think. And it, the people who have been getting the uh, stable rail knife finishing vice have been telling me they're like, I'm not. I'm kind of surprised. That I didn't think I'd love it as much as I do. Uh, and if you go to TrojanHorseForge.com, you can get one. And you put in the promo code FULLBLAST, you're going to get uh, free ship in the United States. It's worth it, and they're good guys. They've over-engineered this thing. They send you tons of stuff, lots of rubber and nuts and all sorts of stuff. It's, tef- it's definitely uh, going to make your knife game a much higher level. So get yourself some of that TrojanHorseForge.com. And last but not least, Maritime Knife Supply. If you go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca or .com, you get yourself all the knife-making materials that you're going to need. Belts, abrasives, steels, kilns, forges, presses, heat-treating ovens, anvils, brooches. they got Rockwell testers. He's got, he's got uh, I think he's just starting to sell powdered steel for canister Damascus. Lawrence Lake is getting, if you need it, he's going to get it. And uh, he's also just started a uh, amazing new scholarship at the New England School of Metalwork for uh, people who want it, who can't afford to take classes, and he's going to help you out. So if you go follow a Maritime Knife Supply uh, on Instagram, there's a link tree to how you can get involved with his uh, scholarship. And it, uh, they're young makers and no experience necessary. 16 to 30 includes funds for travel accommodations, and then the link is in the application is in the link tree. Uh, it's going to open November 1st. It's already open, so go check it out. Uh, meanwhile, uh, get yourself some of that maritime knife supply. Even if you're not in Canada, it's definitely worth it. Uh, they He does a great job, and he's very aware. He's taking lots of classes, and he's very involved in the knife-making community. And if you think you need it and you think he should have it, let him know, and I'm sure he'll pick it up. He's very quick to make sure that his uh, maritime knife supply is, is at top of the top of the food chain so thank you once again lawrence and everybody else and that's it guys this is this is this is full blast the full blast podcast i am here with the the founding members of the pa crew butch sullivan jesse killian what's going on guys how you doing jeff i'm fine jesse how you doing oh another day in paradise man i'm telling you 
First things first. I really was I was really trying to get you both on. You both proud Pennsylvania knife makers, proud Pennsylvania guys, Philly guys. How, what is the feeling in if you were to talk to your average person from Pennsylvania, how are they feeling about the World Series? Not good. Really? <laughs> Fuck the Astros. That's how they're feeling. <laughs> but I mean, that's how they're feeling. That's how they're feeling. Now, this this number one was this. I, in my opinion, and Jesse, you know, and we've talked about this at Maker Camp. We were all ball at Maker Camp. We we're having a good time talking baseball. This was a good season for baseball. Oh, it was a magical season. Yeah, it really was. But I mean, if you don't make it to the mountain, like, kind of feels like it doesn't matter to a certain extent. But but that's see that's the weird thing. It, I would think that it depends on where you are. Now, as a New Yorker and as a Yankee fan, we are we want heads. The heads want, we want heads, and it's it's we 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 didn't we lost we got swept by the Astros, destroyed by the Astros, and in an embarrassing way. And it even though we the Yankees did better this year than they did last year, it I mean we might as well have come in last place. There is definitely a lot of uh, you know patting on the backs though in Philadelphia, feeling good about the loss. At least giving the Astros two losses, I think. That's what. See, that's what I would think because I was thinking I was rooting for the I was rooting for the Phillies from the beginning. I thought, be honest with you, I thought the Cardinals were going to take it the whole way. I really believed that the Card. I thought the the, the, the pool holes thing was going to happen, and and all of a sudden the Cardinals are going to go in the World Series. And, and the Phillies, obviously, if you talk to other baseball fans or even talk to the, the pros, they didn't have the winning series, the winning. Uh, season that the other all these other teams had they were without question a product of the of the wild card race and you ca- you couldn't not root for the Phillies all the way I would imagine because you know they knocked out the Dodgers and then then then, then, then they knocked did they knock out they played the Dodgers no we got the no. the Cardinals and then the Braves the Cardinals and then the Braves yeah the, I mean the Braves series felt really good. But you know you can't not. Dick, but, but they weren't expected to go to the World Series. No, 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 no. Hell no. And so I would think that, and then you know, Philadelphia's going crazy. Pennsylvania's going crazy. Everyone's rooting for the Phillies. I would think that that was a successful season for the Phillies. Uh, I mean, te- yeah, technically it was a successful season. But <laughs> no, I mean, my seasonal depression kicked in hard Sunday night or Sunday morning. <laughs> that was, I mean. I Dude, just, first of all, the, 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 they lo- the, that was in Philadelphia the first time that two teams with the MLS, Major League Soccer, the Union, and Philadelphia Phillies lost on the same day. Yeah, the two, the two Philadelphia championships lost in, what, four hours? I think they yeah. were like four hours apart. So, I, it, I, th- <laughs> I find fandom to be – I find baseball fandom to be – Amazing because it is baseball. The reason why I I believe that the reason why baseball used to be America's favorite pastime was because it was something that was easily understandable on the radio. It's the only sport you can actually really kind of, I mean, and back in the day, it was the easiest way for, you know, before television, it was the easiest way for fans to hear what was going on and it was it was a slow enough sport that you could explain it in a way to paint the picture 
And I believe that, when, you know, advent of television, it kind of lost a lot of its, you know, um, marketability to Americans as a whole, especially nowadays where you have to pay to watch the games and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Fandom now is much more rabid, and it's to see a team like the Phillies go up against the fucking Astros, which I, you know, once again, I mean, I I, ha- I, I love to you know beat the brakes off the Astros but the Yankees got just embarrassed and humiliated by the Astros completely humiliated well I think everybody did this season I don't think the Phillies yeah. have I don't think the Phillies got humiliated I think the biggest problem was when in the in that uh I mean I don't want to bring it up but I mean the last game <laughs> is what last game when they changed the pitcher and that oh, seemed like that, that was yeah, that was slight... I was screaming at the TV. My poor kids were scared to death of me. That was I mean <laughs> like that was hour. really I mean if you what the Phillies did to the Astros was far greater than any other team this whole year. Oh yeah, it was a great series, but you know I I guess hats off to the Astros cuz technically on paper the better team won. But ugh it was tough. <laughs> it was tough. And then, I tell you what, like I said, this was a great year for baseball. I mean, as a Yankee fan, I had real I was really scared in June because I, every, you know, the Yankees were so dominant. And then all of a sudden, you could you I was talking to somebody who's like, "Yeah, you know, they they came back this they came back to win, they came back to win and it was like game after game after game after win after win of every win was from behind." And all it tells you is the is the fact that the there's you know the pitching is the batters are saving the pitching, and I all I could think of is just like this is going to be a problem if something happens to the batters, and that's exactly what happened in, in August. In August, Yankees went from becoming the best team in baseball to the worst team in baseball. Oh uh, yeah, that was a pretty big fall. I mean, but it was exact. It was it was very predictable. And I'm not a I'm not a baseball statistician. Statistician. I don't know. I don't know baseball that well. I mean, I'm a fan. But, like, it was very easy to see that happen, and it just yeah. was like, I don't know. It, this was a great year. I'm sad that baseball's over. Oh, I'm, te- I'm terribly sad that baseball's over. And, like, the cool thing was is you had, like, uh, some historic stuff happen this year with Judge hitting, what did he hit, 62, 63? He, uh, 60, I thought he was 61. I thought he tied with. Uh, no, he, he broke Maris' record. He got 62, re- that's right. He broke, that, he was broke that what it was? Maris. Yeah, like, so you have some majorly historic things that happen this season. It's just, as a Phillies fan, like, the way it, I, I think there's a part of me that thinks that if it would have ended before the World Series, it wouldn't have been as heartbreaking. You know, to get like two steps from the mountaintop and fall flat is probably a little more painful than like, ah, we never should have been here. And, you know, they lost in the first round of the playoffs. So really, you know, I don't know. But but for me, when you start watching baseball in October. Sorry, Jess, but, you know, like that it, it dude, you're you're riding that wave. It's exciting. It's, you know, it's awesome. It's Octo- awesome for the city. Uh, you know, you're just... October uh, baseball is amazing. Every, every bar is filled, and, and you know, there's, like, you know, the people are making money, and everyone's excited. I live two blocks from Broad Street, so the night that they clenched, I mean, we just, you know, walked right up the street, walked up to Broad, and you see, see everybody... Just so excited, hugging each other, laughing, crying. I mean, that that for me is 
the most exciting part. I, oh, I, can't, yeah, I, I, I can't I can't watch the whole the whole year. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's, most, it's, it's m- normal people don't, Butch. Yeah. I mean, I have it. That's the best part about. It. That's the reason why it's great on the radio because, like, you can have it on the radio and you really. It's very easy to know what's happening. I mean, I try. I try to listen to basketball on the radio, and I'm like, I mean, it's literally like impossible to follow what's going along. You know, right. It's fo- It's impossible to follow the plays, versus, you know, the real broadcasting is is the ba- baseball is perfect is made for radio. Made for no, radio. you you know you can you can do a chore around the house while listening to baseball. Um, you know, you definitely can't do that with hockey or you know some other sports. Yeah, you but. can't. It's impossible to follow, and that's the one of the reasons why you know radio is dead in terms of sports is just because it's just too impossible for people to follow and now sports have been made for television i mean it's not really like yeah but the weird thing is is like it's so it's when i was growing up you could you know channel 11 had all the yankee games so like there was never there was never you never missed a game like you could you could just you knew that if you turned on channel 11 you know from you know april to you know september october there was a game on and now, in order to watch, you have to pay like out the nose. So it's like it's 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 totally inappropriate. Right. But I, Every, just just they just want you to subscribe to this or that to it's watch. Impossible. It's totally yeah. impossible. But I. But with that said, we, what you're saying, Jesse, is the 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 Phillies were in the perfect position because they weren't expected to win anyway. So they had like they had nothing to lose, and every game that they took from the Astros was the World Series victory. I mean, that was a win, after, especially after the Astros just beat the brakes off the Yankees. That it was like every win they had, it was just like, that was your World Series victory. Not I really. think it felt that way for you. Yeah, for me. <laughs> for me, yeah. It didn't feel me. that fucking way for me, man. God damn, God damn. So, back to, back to, I got Marlboro Handcraft, I got O-Sully, but it's not O-Sully, it's Zero-Sully. On, on uh, two knife makers from Pennsylvania. How did you guys start getting involved with knife making? And then what we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit of how's it going, what's going on, and then I have some weird Philly stories I want to... Oh, Jesus. Yeah. You, you go ahead, Butch. Uh, all right. So knife making for me, it just kind of started, um, you know, I was doing some like homemade kitchen stuff. Um, and necessarily wasn't knives. It was spoons. Um, I had a friend who wanted me to make some spoons with resin. She was, you know, the company, we had everything laid out. The company was by sea. It was awesome. But then uh, COVID hit, and that kind of put everything on hold. It was nice to be able to do stuff in my basement at home. Uh, but then I picked up, you know, a couple knives to rehandle from a, a local store in Philadelphia, Jinx store that from then turned into, all right, I just made these awesome handles. Holy shit. Now I really want to make the steel. So um, you've only been making knives for like two years? Uh, I think it started in like 2018. Oh, 2018. Okay. So I'm thinking, yeah. like, oh, Jesus Christ, like, is it? Uh, your knives are, you do Damascus <laughs> and all this stuff and all, I'm just like, oh my God. Dude, thank you, but no, yeah, it just been like four years, and you know, definitely not without the help of everybody in the knife making community, which is 
been insane. Everybody is willing to help out. Yeah, it is a nice community. So, um, so now you're you you have a business. Are you are you in the framing business? Yeah, I have a picture framing business. I have uh, two partners, uh, Jason and Fred, that we've been in business together since 2004. Uh, you know, I met those two guys at a bar that I managed. And, yeah, it's, it, I mean, wow, we've been in business framing pictures in Philadelphia for galleries and homes for 18 years. It's pretty crazy. Have you? So when you were in the restaurant, how long were you in the restaurant business for? So I moved to Philadelphia to go to school for industrial design, and that was in, like, 94, 1994, which seems like forever ago. Yeah. Uh, my loans didn't go through the first year, so I got a job at a restaurant. And I was making busing tables and making handmade pasta at this restaurant uh, at Broad and Locust, uh, which isn't there anymore. But then that, in turn, pretty much once you start working in the restaurant industry, sucked I kind of got sucked up into it. And then from there on, started managing two restaurants for uh, this these awesome people, Kathy and Robert, that owned Sugar Moms and Tattooed Moms in Philadelphia. Tattooed Moms is still on South Street, killing it. Um, they They are the best. And then you decide to go into the framing business with these guys that you met. Just to get back to working with my hands, which I moved to Philadelphia to do and, like, you know, create art and be around artists and everything else. And So are, it, are, you, finding it, that, are you finding that the knife making is fulfilling that, that goal that you originally wanted? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know... Framing pictures is is awesome. It's freaking awesome. I mean, the the going from working around people that are in the industry or people that are drinking all the time and stuff like that to go from that to people that are making art uh, as a living was was pretty cool. And the people that I worked for were more than more than happy to help me make that transition, which was great and yeah, it was a big difference. And how did you meet Jesse? So Jesse had he had a hammer in at his place. I think maybe Steve Pellegrino introduced me or us and and asked me if I wanted to come out and uh, I went out there like first hammer in ever. We hung out all day. It was, it was we had a great time. I did. I think I made two things. One of them was, they were both shit, honestly. Fine. But from then on, I mean, I think the you know we just kept in touch, talked about making stuff in in the city close enough, and you know we also then hung out at Maker Camp the year after that, which was fucking awesome. <clears throat> Jesse Killian. Uh-huh. <laughs> How did you, where did you get your start? Um, uh, so before my kids were born, I used to build, um, like, choppers, like motorcycles. 
Um, I did that for a couple years, and then uh, when my wife and I got, or I guess when my wife was pregnant with our son, <clears throat> and we were kind of, like, money got a little tight, and motorcycles are expensive, um, I just kind of saw, um, there was a couple dudes that uh, built motorcycles, but, like, had their own, like, small knife-making businesses, um, and I happened to, at the time, be working at a fab shop that had a couple, like, chunks of, I think, 1095, like, leftover chunks of spring steel, and I kind of just decided I was going to give it a shot, um, just kind of got hooked on it, and kind of went from there, um, yeah. Did you, the building choppers, mm-hmm. we, I, uh, my old, my old shop used to be not too far from where, uh, Orange County Choppers was. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, been that whole time, that whole time frame of American Choppers was such a huge, a huge part of like, I mean, if you if you were to think about p- before Forge and Fire, um, Monster Garage and American Choppers were the only shows where you could really see metalworking, you know, on yeah. TV. Oh yeah. What kind of stuff were you? I mean, when you were building, were you building in a shop or how were you building the motorcycles? Um. We just had, like, there's a couple local guys around my area. I'm about an hour north of Philly. So a lot of dudes, like, a lot of the properties around here have old barns or old garages on them. Um, And one dude had just this big shop that um, he was single, unmarried, no kids. Just had all the tools, and, like, he and I struck up a friendship. And um, I basically just started working out of his garage, just kind of building for fun. Um, it was never, it was always like a part-time, like, hobby, uh, for fun thing. Um, but yeah, so, like, we would just hang out at his place and, you know, drink and, and build motorcycles and... Wait, 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 wait. Wait, this dude had a paradise, you're saying, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, yeah, if you asked him about it, I don't know if he'd agree with you, but, yeah, I mean, he was, you know, okay. nothing to do but spend money on himself and motorcycles. Just, just like a shop full of tools, no yeah, wife, yeah, no yeah. kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, come over. Like a, a small m- mill, a small lathe, you know, a nice TIG welder. Yeah, um, come over. Let's drink and let's make some stuff. Yeah, and I like. I think when I met him, I had just gotten married, so my wife was, you know, like, ah, go out and have fun. Like, the, you know, we didn't really have ma- uh, any major responsibilities, so like going down there and hanging out till one in the morning, you know, working on motorcycles wasn't a big deal. Um, but you know, once we had kids and they started getting older and stuff and needed to be around the house a little bit more and, you know, build a couple knives and kind of got hooked on it. And now I just hang out in my basement alone and, and build knives. You, and you do that full time. What? Build knives? Yeah. No, 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 no. No, I'm, no. I'm, hanging out in the basement <laughs> alone. Yes. No, no, I wish. <laughs> no, I'm a full time. Uh, I do general contracting and home renovation. Do you enjoy it? Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Because um, every day is different. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, – I think the longest we're at somebody's house is like a month, maybe a month and a half. And then it's a new you know, a new job site basically and a new set of challenges every day. You know, you're, no job's the same. And, I mean, that's – that makes life a lot uh, less mundane, which I don't, I don't really do well with mundane. I can uh, imagine. I can imagine. Well, both of you have a very similar style in terms of your knives. Um, 
and I, I mean, I would say, looking at both your both of your bodies of work, I would suggest that there might be this kind of both having more of an Asian influence in terms of your culinary knives. You both do culinary knives, lots of forged knives. Uh, both do you know forged knives, and they they look uh, on the Asian side. Yeah, is there any, yeah. Re- any what what's the reference point that you both have? I mean, I, I for me, I prefer like the hidden tang knife. Um, you know, I think aesthetically pleasing. I, I, I honestly, I took one class with Luke Delmeyer about how to make a hidden tang, and, and bef- pri- pri- prior to that, I was only making full tang knives, like kitchen knives. Um, after that class, I haven't stopped making hidden tang knives. Hmm. He's a really good knife maker, isn't he? Dude. Oh, he's fantastic. Not not just, not just like a a, a super talented knife maker, but instructor teacher as well. And he's a moderately okay farrier. Yeah. I heard he put some shoes on horses. He he has a fucking amazing place just outside Philadelphia that is, uh, you know, we're hoping to have him do more classes there and have some people came to come down. I mean, Joshua Prince was just there, and it, we had the best time ever. You he's know, a, he's an extraordinary human being. He's a Josh Prince is an extraordinary human being, dude. Top amazing, notch. amazing, amazing. So, I mean, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, home of you know American metalwork. Do you, I mean American steel? Not too far. I mean, American Steel was was. I mean, they built. They named the goddamn football team the Steelers for Christ's sake. So oh, I mean, that's the like, that's fucking Ohio. It's not Ohio. <laughs> yeah, not Ohio. So pencil. So so here's the question: Is is does Philly? I feel like Philly has more of a connection to like North Jersey or South Jersey. I should say South Jersey. There's this like weird connection between South Jersey and Philly. Like it's almost like they're too close. Like that's what the, what the city, the state should be. No, I think South Jersey should be a part of PA then. Yeah. No, I mean that's what it's that it feels that way. Because I mean I know you just made the joke that like that's Ohio, which I kind I kind of get I get, but like there's such a connection. Like if you talk to people from South Phil of South New Jer- South Jersey, and Philadelphia, they are much closer in like temperament than you'd expect. Yeah, I mean, they, that Camden, New Jersey, is literally a stone's throw from Philadelphia. Is, you know, Camden, New Jersey might as well be Philadelphia. Growing up, I, we never went to Philadelphia. I, we never we never went to Philadelphia at all, not one time. You didn't come and see the Liter- Liberty Bell and get your picture taken with the Rocky statue? We did, we did, I did that after when my wife and I first got we first got married and we were visiting friends in, in Harrisburg and then we went to, we went to Philadelphia. It was our first time. And I was always embarrassed by the fact that I had never really spent any time in Philadelphia. We just never went. I mean, never went. So it was, uh, it was an, I loved it. I mean, you know, I love Philly. We got to go back at some point. We drive past the, you know, the PMA or the Philadelphia museum of art almost every day and see lines of people standing out there to get their picture taken with the Rocky statue is <laughs> just hilarious. And like all the people winded running up the steps and shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, here's the most 
diverse culturally the, the, the things that are in that building right there but people are lined up just to get their picture with this mythical Philadelphia figure. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that, I mean, that, that once again, the Phillies are like, I mean, the Phillies, the, this season was, was it, it almost was like the perfect, I mean, Philly result. You know, it's almost like they're, they're like always overlooked. They're the, they're the underdog. Um, it seems as though, I mean, the, the connection to uh, the fucking Rocky is like, it's, well, it's, the, it's over the, You know, it's the, the underdog. I mean, who doesn't love the underdog? That's for sure. I, I, I am a totally 100%. Uh, I completely, I am a fan of the underdog. I mean, that's why I was rooting for the Phillies. I, I'm, I can't root for them. You, you got to root for the Phillies. It was such a, I, what can you say about the Phillies? So here's the here's the thing we got is I have some I found some Philly unless you guys have anything you want to talk about I found some Philly news Philly stories I thought maybe we could kind of discuss if that's oh I'd love to hear them yeah let's let her rip do you guys know anything about the wing bowl oh yeah can you tell <laughs> that's the one right what? Butch like that's uh, the one that yeah they... <laughs> I've uh, I, I've been to. Oh, you've been, I've never been, but I've heard plenty of stories about Wing Bowl. Well, I want to just tell the you know, to listeners, I've, I heard about the Wing Bowl, and then this is something that I wanted to kind of like, I thought I'd bring up and see what you guys thought in regards to the, This is called The Untold Truth of Philadelphia Wing Bowl. In October uh, tw- um, 2018, Angelo Cataldi and the morning crew announced that the Philadelphia Wing Bowl held in February that year would be the last of its kind. Mm-hmm. Um, the annual Buffalo Wing Eating Competition took place on Friday before the Super Bowl, which began in 1993 as an attempt to mitigate the fans, the local fans' feelings of disappointment over the Eagles' inability to make it to the final match. Now, however, it was different. All right, so there was it was a big event. Well, Butch, you know more about so. How would you how would you explain Wing Bowl? Yeah, I mean they. I think they started it in like ninety three or four or something, and it was definitely set up as like like you said. However, uh, you know, there would turn into just like some guys eating wings and uh, participating in an eating contest turned into who who was holding signs up for them, and it was you know, girls dressed scantily clad uh, that might have worked at some local, you know, gentlemen's clubs, right. everything else. You, 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 any, any time you would pan, and this was in, geez, was it in the Spectre back then? I'll, I'll, let it me get might back, have let been get, originally, but it wasn't towards but, the end. It was but, but, but you would look up into the stadium. So, so, you know, you're looking down, you know, on the floor, say it's the, the you know, the basketball court. Dudes are down there eating wings, or girls, guys. I mean, there were professional eaters from every everywhere coming to this event. So this and, the story goes: while the reputation of the Philadelphia Wing Bowl gained during uh, its tenure was one of debauched insanity, the actual competition drew in proper con- contenders. Part of this was due to the qualifications needed to surround yourself with drunken fans as you Hoover down chicken wings in 2017. A CBS Philly listed six methods aspiring com- competitors may use to compete in the Wing Bowl, including completing or submitting or eating challenges on the morning show. 
These requirements ensure that anyone from the street that ensure that anyone from the street can compete while also drawing stars. So this was a it was um, a crowd of twenty thousand people at the Wells Fargo Center, a massive arena that housed the Philadelphia Flyers and the 76ers. Uh, but people started tailgating for this at six a.m. Right. Well, there and I got a thing that says five a.m. It was okay. ju- it was, uh, it was uh, just- pro- problem. Pro- <laughs> I mean, I got there at six a.m. But people were there before me, and you could pan if you just like panned the crowd. There were just these mini battles in 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 the stadium seats going on here and there. The two the two words used in most in uh, to describe it were anarchy and debauchery. They sell more beer at the event than any other in the at any other arena. These guys from 17 to 65 just obliterated yelling at you to eat wings. It's a weird feeling. Um, additionally, Reuters discussed the wingette contest in which women arrived on floats while bearing their bodies in provocative manners while encouraging women spectators to do the same for the cameras, which projected bare chests on the screen surrounding. Writer Jim Capel deemed it the worst event ever in an article for ESPN. <laughs> it's like when, uh, yeah, it's, goes, uh, that's pretty accurate, Jim. It's like what you would get if you mixed the Olympics opening ceremony with Mardi Gras and spring break and crammed it all inside a hockey rink. I want to know how that's a bad thing. I mean, th- I mean that was ESPN. I mean, they got to have. I mean, this, it wasn't the Howard Stern show. Uh, uh, that that was pretty accurate. Uh, but, you know, you just, you just had to be there this to is appreciate a qu- it. Here's a quote. Except in the place of each country's national anthem, throw up in, ve- in video of projectile vomiting from a past contest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wing Bull at its best preserves its very raw humanity, which eschews all attempts at elitism. Yeah, so apparently Wing Bull was a big event for years and years. They had to stop it. I guess what they the reason why they stopped it was because the Phillies or because the Eagles won. So it was, the whole idea was they knew that the Eagles weren't going to win, so they wanted something to do. So they had this massive wing and drinking contest. Or is com- that why they stopped it? Well, that's what I, one I, of the- I think. I don't know. I think it just pretty much just you know would have been canceled anyway. But you, but what it, when you went to it, were you just like you just got there at six a.m. and started drinking? Yes. <laughs> Did you? Is it a one day event? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh. we. I, so I. <laughs> it's funny. My my dad uh, had. He knew somebody that was going to be in like a VIP area, and she she worked at a gentleman's club. So we, you know, we had got access to a box, a VIP box that. So you you had your own bathroom. But for the majority of people there, you're just sitting in the in the stands, and what are you doing in the stand? What are you watching? Drinking just, in the I, morning. I mean, so so every competitor would come in, and it was like they're entering the ring with an entourage of usually girls in bikinis, or you, yeah, like a, like a boxer entering a ring for an event or the fight. But the people that were with the competitors were, you know, 
less 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 stress than most. Well, I mean, I, I it, it's hilarious. This fucking wing bowl. So I mean, I've heard about the wing bowl, but I never really kind of understood what it was about. So it's a uh, nobody understands what it's about. I mean, you're not. Here's another. Yeah. Here's another story. This is from NBC Sports. I don't know if you want this one. This is the, this is from NBC Sports. It's called the ten times Philadelphia fans were truly the worst. Oh, I could geez. I could come up with number one uh, right yeah. now. Uh, All was right, it Santa. Santa throwing snowballs. Santa's, Santa's number ten. But Santa, what? Santa getting. Well, what? I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's. I, I'm gonna let me let me let me read it. Right. Let me read them and then you can comment. Uh, Philly fan. Um, where's number one? Uh, oh, number two is the time they climb the light pole after the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Uh, How's the, that bad? Uh, the, well, I mean, this is one once again. This is NBC Sports in the battle of the Eagles versus the uh, greased. Light poles. Philadelphia police couldn't control the Philly fans on the night that the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Even after using hydraulic fluid to keep the fans from climbing the city light poles, fans could not. They would not. Uh, they there couldn't. were fans all over the light poles last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, there what was actually, a guy. There was a guy up there. That he he shotgunned about a dozen beers and then couldn't get down. So I, he oh, had is to that the safe. guy that like the fire department had? Yeah, to show had, to up come, for him? had to come and had to come and pull him down. There's a lot of greased pole stories. I have a lot of those, <laughs> which is like apparently it's also an event. Is Philly the only city that does oh, that? There's definitely an event in the Italian market where they grease the pole, and you have to climb to the top, and at the top of the pole is cured meats. Uh, well, actually, uh, a grease coal, uh, the grease pole competition returns to the Italian market festival. Hundreds of people came together this weekend to celebrate a hot, this is, this is from May. So, uh, uh, a hallowed Philadelphia tradition, watching people shimmy up a large grease pole for fame and fortune, where fortune is defined as gift cards for olive oil and cannolis. The annual ninth street Italian market festival offered plenty of other attractions, it's so good. Uh, despite so good. the dense humidity, but the heart of the event was a uh, 30-foot pole greased, glistening in the sun, <laughs> beckoning to anyone who would brave the challenge. A constant crowd of curious onlookers formed around its space and some snapped selfies with infamous, the infamous mass. The blister, uh, yeah, so there's a whole big thing about... Uh, that is a, a few blocks from where I live, and... Yeah, the festival does not disappoint. Mm. Right, uh, let's go back to the worst Philly fans. Uh, the time one guy intentionally threw up on an eleven-year-old girl. Yeah, was, that happened. Did you you know that story? <laughs> was, it, was that the Vikings game? Uh, some of the accidents during a Phillies game in 2010, a twenty-year-old. Oh. A 20, 21-year-old fan named Matthew Clemens and his friend were escorted by security out of their seats for unruly behavior. However, on their way out, Clemens reportedly leaned over, put two fingers down his throat, and started vomiting oh. onto an oh. off-duty police officer and his 11-year-old daughter. No commentary needed. Uh, he was later charged with aggravated assault along with a few other additional counts. <laughs> number four yeah. is they booed. Number four is is when they booed Donovan McNabb after he was drafted. That's oh, number four. Mm. You mean you mean Campbell's chunky boy? 
Uh, imagine you get a new job, and the first time you appear before your coworkers, they boo you mercilessly. Well, no, no, we're his employers. No, we're not even his employers. They saw you were really good. Uh, they saw you at your. Uh, you were really good with your previous employer, but they don't care about that at all because they wanted someone to fill your spot, the spot you got. So they just boo you. This is what happened when the Eagles drafted Don McNabb. In 1999, uh, all he did was go on to be the top quarterback in the franchise history by a large measure by many categories. He also got, uh, threw up during the suit. Anyways, well, what's what, next? What Next is the time they beat up Chief Z. Do you know about Chief Z? No, this one's new to me. In, 19, in 1983, Zima Williams, known to those associated with the Burgundy and Gold as Chief Z, hit the road for a Redskins-Eagles matchup. Dressed in this customary costume, Williams was beaten up twice during his visit to Veterans Stadium, according to the Washington City paper. First two people ripped his clothes off and threw feathers as he was wearing on his head from the upper deck down into the seats below. Uh, That would pale in comparison to what happened next. Uh, uh, In the parking lot afterwards, the same two attackers, plus two others assaulted Williams among them, broke his leg. He had to use a wheelchair and crutches, crutches after that. I guess he was a Redskins guy. Yeah, well, that would have definitely not happened if he was wearing a commander shirt. Oh, yeah, go. we just don't like racists. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. The next is the time Ryan Howard had a beer bottle thrown at him. You know that's, <laughs> do you know that story? No. Is that regular? Um, that seems just regular, though. McNabb shouldn't feel bad. He wasn't the only icon from the city of brotherly love to be targeted by those who should adore him. This past June, oh, obviously this is from the past, Ryan Howard grounded out to end the home contest versus the Brewers. Then on his way out back to, back to the dugout, someone from the stands chucked a beer bottle at him. The first baseman wasn't hit by the beverage, but now has to keep his head down every time he strolls from the bench to the stadium. Uh, because we can't trust your own fans who toss random objects. No it was a like Brewers that. fan. Everybody knows that. <laughs> oh, is that what it was? Good, <laughs> good deflection. Good deflection, Jason. Ah, for sure. Thank you. Uh, number seven is the time a few fellows burned Deshaun Jackson's jersey. I don't know from that. Hmm. Who cares no. about that? Yeah. Number eight is the time they totally embarrassed themselves against the Capitals. Another uh, unfortunate consequence of events just before the Capitals and Flyers commenced their first-round playoff last April. Uh, this is obviously from the past. Ed Snyder, who had co-founded the Philadelphia hockey team, died after di- uh, uh, battling bladder cancer. So when the Flyers returned home to Wells Fargo Center, every fan gave a plastic bracelet, which were meant to serve as tributes to the, fran- <laughs> the franchise owner. As it turns out, the bands ended up serving as mini projectiles they were thrown onto the ice in the final stages of a 6-1 to Washington victory. Eventually, the home side uh, was, was assessed a penalty. <laughs> no box could have been big enough for all the offenders. So They were losing 6-1. to one. Well, I mean, they I mean, were... People are going to get mad. It happens. They, they're, the, <laughs> the, the owner's commemorative bracelet was used as a projectile. That's pretty well, intense. Well, um, what are you going to do? The time Chris Baker received a cheesesteak he never ordered, 2014. Who cares about that? The time an ump had to eject a Phillies fan who was harassing him. Uh, umpires are usually responsible for ejecting players, but recently Bob Davison had to toss a ticket holder from Citizens Bank Park. The reason? Because the drunk guy had told Davison he sucked. <laughs> Not atypical behavior, for sure. And then deported Davison that he owned property on 69th Street. 
I, I feel like uh, every baseball fan on the planet thinks every ump sucks. Well, I don't think that that's very uh, new to Philadelphia. That's a very that, that's one of my favorite things now. On... Yeah, but, but with all in that said, those things, I mean, so there were two stories recently that were in the news of two eateries that wouldn't serve the Astros. Oh, that was brilliant. I had that story. First of all, it's bullshit, though. Yeah. I don't even I want it to not be bullshit. I know that's the funny thing is like you would expect it to be true, but there were two like Angelo's Pizzeria and Mike's Barbecue. They both said like we did we would you know intentionally not serve them. They just it didn't work out. Angelo's the hours didn't work out. Mike's Barbecue they wanted him to make Latin food, and the dude makes barbecue. I had that story right here, actually. Uh, And so it got so blown out. They were getting calls, both Angelo's and Mike's, from Astros fans just totally spamming them, ordering tons of shit and all this stuff. They, They would have served them. It just didn't work out. But as soon as a story like that starts rolling, it's fucking forget about it. Well, that probably also stemmed from when the Yankees were playing the guardians. Uh, there was a rain out. There was a one night it rained so bad. They had to cancel the game and then they had to, uh, they couldn't, apparently none of the New York hotels would take any of the guardians. So like, Mm -hmm. usually what they would do is they would get a hotel, a whole hotel so they could keep everybody together. But for some reason there was some like, they wouldn't. They had to like break the whole team up all over the place because none of the hotels would take the guardians. <laughs> so it seems as though that was kind of like on the heels of that. But uh, yeah, so this report was uh, in regards to the Philadelphia restaurant were refusing the Astros, um, and they're, they're saying it's some bullshit. But uh, uh, I mean, everyone in Philadelphia jumped right on board and and fucking loved it. <laughs> you know, I was like, I loved uh, it. Uh, like, fuck you. Yeah. We're not fucking gonna give give you food. The NBC, but, the NBC based it, they based the report on social media posts about each restaurant earlier this week that had indicated that they declined to serve the Astros, including one Instagram story post from Angelo's where someone from the restaurant said, "If you think I cooked for those Astros, you're out of your mind." <laughs> <laughs> But I love that guy. <laughs> the truth is we couldn't do it, someone said, uh, at 11 o'clock at night. Oh, this is what they said. The reason why they said is we couldn't do it. It was 11 o'clock at night, and then we're open. we weren't open then. Uh, we don't give a shit who you are. He goes, at 11 o'clock at night, <laughs> we're open during hours of operation. We can accommodate that. Otherwise, we don't give a shit who you are. There's Philly, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then back to the last uh, back to the last story where the fans were the worst, which is actually without question what you had said and probably one of the greatest stories of all time um, was let me get back to this. I'm jumping all over the place today. Uh, the time they threw snowballs at Santa Claus as the yeah. years have gone by story has proven to be not as bad as it was originally made out to be, but it wasn't great. Now I had heard that they used, they threw double, they threw D batteries at him. Yeah, that was always the story that there was like batteries <laughs> in the snowballs. Right. Uh, in 1968, near the end of a disastrous campaign by the Eagles, the team held its annual Christmas themed halftime show. However, Santa Claus, uh, however, the Santa Claus supposed uh, to, supposed to participate didn't show due to a snowstorm. 
So a backup St. Nick was selected from the crowd combined with the weather, the late edition of Santa Claus, and the fact that the Eagles had finally started winning right after they were positioning themselves to get uh, O.J. Simpson. Uh, it's clear that those intendants uh, bombarded Chris Kringle with snowballs. However, uh, <laughs> it must have been an incident. So, yeah, they, they didn't have any, they didn't know love for Santa Claus. Santa was uh, late. I mean, you know, in general, I think the media has no love for Philadelphia fans. But you know, I would, I would say that that is something that's a, a common. There's like, there, I don't. I guess I don't understand that whole, that whole common idea that. I mean, that's why Philly's the underdog. But it's like, there's like the lovable rascal. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. Why does they have such a bad reputation? I think there's a certain amount of, um, like you were talking about, like Philadelphia being the kind of the forgotten city, um, like being be- uh, between New York um, and DC. Philadelphia has kind of become a little forgotten, and I think it's put a little bit of a chip on the shoulder of the area. Um, and I think it's given. There was a a Padres um, newscaster coming through when they were in the NL uh, CS with the Padres. And he was like, oh, all these Phillies fans keep giving me the finger and telling me to go fuck myself and blah, 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 blah. And now <laughs> everybody's like, ah, oh, but can I get you a sandwich? Like, yeah. I think Philadelphians have a very, uh, like, there's a rough around the edges kind of, I hate you before I love you, but, like, I hate you because I want to see how you react to it. And if you react okay, then, like, I'm going to love you forever. See, that's... Yeah, we're, like, we're, 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 we're willing to, you know... We want to give you a ton of shit. But if you want to take a little bit of that, then it goes we want to bring, bring, bring you in and, and take care of you. I mean, that's what happened when uh, Justin Verlander came to Philadelphia. Oh, fuck Justin Verlander. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he kind of... The- Why do we got to keep going back? He got off the bus and he flipped somebody off, and it was kind of. I, I felt like, even though. It, what, it, dude? His it, wife like went in and was like, "Oh, she what? was giving the fans a finger from like the <laughs> whatever the." Sixth I would row. think that they would like that. Oh, I, would I think chuckled that they would like at that. it, but like, I love it. I love it. He, he's fuck an it. astro. He can go fuck himself. Yeah, but Justin Verlander. But, but you know what? I I don't know. Justin Verlander was the one astro that I was just like kind of rooting for, just because he's like an old guy. You know, you nah, want... nah, he was there in 2017. I, the only guy on the Astros that I like remotely wanted to win a World Series was Dusty Baker. Oh yeah. Outside of, of that, at, all of them can go fuck themselves. The the craziest part about back to the Astros and back to um, Philadelphia is they just had the uh, finalists for the MLB awards, the award finalists, most valuable player. The the um, finalists for Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Manager of the Year, not one, no, not one Philadelphia Philly is even nominated in Most Valuable Player. No, it's uh, Machado, Goldschmidt, and uh, Arenado. Ar- by the way, Arenado looks like Steve Pellegrino. He does look like Steve Pellegrino. It looks ex- a spitting image. Dude, Cy I Young. Know, I, I don't know who you're talking about, but. That dude, uh, well, he's handsome as hell. He's, he's the best dressed dude in baseball. Handsome as hell. <laughs> and then for Cy Young, Alcantara, Freed, and Urias, once again, no Phillies. Rookie of the Year, Strider, Harris, Donovan, once again, no Phillies. This is in the National League. 
manager of the year. Well, yeah, manager of the manager year. Manager of the year, Sherwalter, Walter, Roberts, and Snicker. There's no there. I mean, that is that almost seems like part of the par for the shit. course. Oh, shit! That, shit that we're used to. Right. I, that see, that's what I'm. Th- that's what I'm thinking. Because like, if you look up, if you look up, just news, Philadelphia news. When I came up with these stories, it's all like the untroll. You know, it's all like it's all <laughs> shitty stories about Philadelphia. There's ranking the. Uh, um, I feel like this is like when you when you tell stories about <laughs> Europe. But at the same time, like here's what here's Philadelphia sports fans voted w- the worst in America. That's a no, that's a whole another that's a whole other story. Philadelphia sports fans voted worst in America by GQ magazine. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's been like the that's been the story for like decades. There's a long-standing perception in sports of the Philadelphia fans as nasty, vitriolic enemies of all that's good and decent. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's called, Jeff, it's called passion. I uh, fans of the red and for, for, fans of the red and green land at the top of the Adam Wieners well, well winners. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Well researched list. The bleacher. Yes, the creatures. guy's last name was Weiner. No, it was it was Winner. I made a mistake. It was oh, <laughs> it was it's Winner or Weiner. I don't know what it was. Uh, he's why he's whining about his wiener. The, I mean, come on, we bleed <laughs> red and green here in Philadelphia. The bleacher creatures, bottle throwers. <laughs> couch touch, crot. No, this is couch touch. Tor- couch tortures, couch tortures, sexual harassers, projectile vomiters, serial indecent bandwagon hoppers, marring our national as- landscape. There's, I might have to write this guy a letter. Uh, over the years, Philadelphia fans have booed Santa Claus, their own star player, and absurdly recipient of America's first hand transplant, who was. And recipient of America's first hand transplant, who was whose crime was that. dribbling in the first first pitch thrown by the. Wait a second! Oh, this stop. is I don't recall this story. The recipient of America's first. Th- listen, this is now we're getting into a story. I re- I remember b- uh, booing Sarah Palin. This that's a different situation. The recipient <laughs> of America's first hand tr- transplant. Whose crime? He this guy was booed. His first hand transplant. He was booed for dribbling in the ceremonial first pitch thrown with his freshly transplanted hand. Guy gets a first hand transplant yeah, in the United yeah, States. I, I throws need to the see first pitch. This is a huge mistake. This is a huge mistake. This is a nothing. I say is going to be good right now. This is a huge. There's a huge, huge misstep in thinking that the first. Hand transplant guy should throw the first pitch out in Philadelphia. That's like, well, of course you're going to boo him. Um, <laughs> what do you? Okay, so uh, first of all, if I'm in the stands, no one knows that this guy just had a a, a freshly placed no, hand they, on. They had to have. They had to have. Uh, they've had to have told him. Have you have you you been there before? Okay, and they they announce like four or five different people, and they're going to throw out a they're going to throw out a pitch. They just see the pitch and they see it sucks and laugh or Uh, boo and mostly boo both. The the truth is, uh, this is a quote: uh, Philadelphia stadiums. Philadelphia stadiums house the most monstrous collection of humanity outside the federal penal system. (laughs) <laughs> Some of these people would boo the crack at the at the Liberty Bell. Baseball legend Pete Rose once said, 
Oh, oh, there's another reputable source. <laughs> Pete Rose. Fuck oh, that God, there's a giant human piece of garbage. Pretty harsh, though. I think Pete Rose might have kept a little nugget to himself. There's plenty to be said against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing. I, I just, I guess I don't. You want to root for Philadelphia, but then all these stories about Philadelphia are are kind of horrid. Are mostly unfounded. Except for this guy. Do you know about this 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 is this is like the least offensive but dumb. Are you story. talking about recent news? Yeah, recent news. The, the are fucking, you fucking talking about the 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 dude who ate like forty? Yeah, uh, I was going to bring that up. Chickens. So I guess this guy ate forty rotisserie chickens in how many days? Forty days. Forty days. Which isn't really a big feat. This is like well, I well, that's gonna get tiring. This is the most. This Have you seen pictures of that event? No, I, I guess I got something to do after this. So it's, uh, I I don't know where. I mean, I didn't see it until afterwards, but I saw that there were, I don't know, it looked like close to a thousand people on this abandoned pier behind a Walmart on the Delaware River that is, you know, I could walk there from where I am and he had a table set up for this 40th day event and there were thousands of people there rooting him on see it's a loving city see that's see this is this is the nicest this is the (laughs) nicest this is the feel good story of the like (laughs) Philly lost two championships in one day and this dude ate 40 chickens but th- this story is so dumb because it's just like, okay, th- you know, he didn't eat 40 chickens in one day. He ate 40 chi- He just ate a roast. He ate a ro- a it was perfectly, perfectly timed that the Phillies and the Union lost and then he ate a chicken. It's the whole thing is it's like the, it's the it's a huge story, but it's like the dumbest story. The clocks have been turned back. The sky is overcast. The breeze, blah, 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 blah. Hundreds of people of all ages. <laughs> Gathered in front of a caution tape behind which a makeshift red carpet and a table covered in a white tablecloth, folks carrying signs about signs of encouragement. And they brought folding chairs to watch him eat a chicken. This is like a nothing uh, why story. Would you, why did red carpet and a white tablecloth eat a chicken? Yeah. They that see uh, little... Alexander Taminsky, a.k.a. Smooth Recess on Twitter, a.k.a. the Philadelphia Chicken Man whose face showed up on flyers posted around South Philly circled all over social media. The flyers invited the city to abandon to an abandoned pier near the Walmart uh, and watch him consume his 40th chicken in the past 40 days. Once he advertised on the internet, the news spread far and wide. This is like the dumbest... It is fucking retarded. This is the dumbest... Sorry. No, that's fine. I, I mean, you're from Philly. That's what, that's uh, what they say. That's I what mean, they say. It, it, when a reporter mentioned why an, uh, Uber was needed to go to Walmart, only took... This is like the dumbest... This is like... But the funny thing is, is like, this is the dumbest story of all time, but it was like, it captured like a, a soft spot in the heart of Philadelphia that this guy just decided to eat 40 chickens in 40 days. I didn't well, hear about it. Everybody yeah. needed like a little boost at that point. My chicken's with, not going to do with, it for with, me. With all the teams that it just like just you you were there was a high 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 of you might get something, and then the, then there was this story. 
I don't know why anyone was down there watching, though. Yeah. I wasn't taking off work to do that. It's just, I I don't know. I I guess, I guess because Philadelphia has such a, I don't know, it's such a a fast, it's fascinating to me. I I remember a number, a number of years ago uh, when my daughter was very young, we met with some friends and we went outside of Philadelphia to Sesame Place. For mm. our children to go and go on, to, it's like a water park outside yeah, I, I of. Grew, I I grew up five minutes from there. I had so many friends that worked there. We used to go there after hours and hit the slides. It was it. It's like you know you think <laughs> now when you think of Sesame Place, you think of Sesame Street, you think of the characters and stuff like that, and you think it's a water park. So it's not like you know Six Flags. It's not like it's it has a much it's, more. It, it's would, wholesome. You would think you would think that it's kind of closer to, you would think that it's closer to that you know childlike childhood situation. But when we got there, I mean, it was really fucking rough. It was really rough, and the people there were really rough. And there were like <laughs> tramp stamps, and there were like you know bikinis, and it it was like it was definitely not. Everyone for was children. smoking cigarettes, and cigarettes, like... and it was like cursing, and it was like. Total and my friend turns to me and he goes, Welcome to Philadelphia. I mean it was that, like first of all, that is not Philadelphia. Well, I know it's not, but I mean he says you're <laughs> this is all the people from Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, and then we Sesame prom- Place, Philadelphia. And it was no thing. no one from Philadelphia was going to Sesame Place. I, listen, dude. I all I know is what he told me, and then we went to a, then we and then he then we ended up going to a uh, Chuck E. Cheese. Oh and a yeah. Fight broke out at a Chuck E. Cheese. Surprise, surprise. So it was just like this whole like and then my friend kept saying it's like, oh yeah, oh, welcome to Philadelphia. Welcome yep, to Philadelphia. Clearly. Welcome to Philadelphia. I'm like, oh Jesus Christ, Philadelphia. <laughs> um That happens in every Chuck E. Cheese across America. But I mean I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but you know, you, honestly, Sesame Place was yeah, not not the best place ever. It I, it I don't know how you would corral people into behaving well. I I, I would I would assume that the most people that like, worked there. I had friends from high school that worked there, and I mean they they just you know making minimum wage. They did they didn't care. It was about getting people in line and on the next ride. Other than that, they're not going to intervene in anything. Yeah, Philadelphia. I mean, Sesame Place is rough. Um, <laughs> It was rough. It was rough. And it was, my kid was nervous and it was like there was a lot of screaming and hollering and kids, people, parents yelling at their kids, but then parents yelling at other parents. It was just all very like, yeah, a lot of smoking, a lot of smoking in Sesame Place, which was weird. Just the whole yeah. thing was weird because it's like Sesame Street is not really. No. No. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, people walking up and punching Big Bird. Is that what you? Is that is what that, you, you've seen this? <laughs> yeah. Damn. Missed out. Uh, we have fourteen of the weirdest, craziest, filliest stories from 2018. Are you getting depressed? Am I depressing you with all these weird stories? No, I think that uh, you know there there's some that are that are legit, but a lot of these are just made up too. Or right. well, well, you're gonna you're an apologist now. The Eagles became <laughs> the Eagles became uh, number one is the Eagles True. Eagles became, True. the Eagles became Super Bowl champions and the city lost its collective mind. 
What was it yeah, like? Yeah, it's in been Philadelphia? fucking. It was like forty years since you know. What What was it like when the the Eagles won uh, the Super Bowl? Um, I mean, I I watched at 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 home with the the kids and a few friends. Uh, then as soon as the game was over, immediately went into the basement, got a mummer's costume that was green, silver, and black, and walked to Broad Street. What's a mummer's costume? Uh, mummer's. So if you're not from Philadelphia, you have pretty much no idea yeah. what mummers are. Yeah, of course. What, what's New, a, <laughs> New Year's Day? On New Year's Day, the mummers go and... So there are def- different divisions, but mostly it's a big parade all along Broad Street, Main Street in Philadelphia, where people dress up, go and entertain people to come down to see the parade. But what's a mummer? You dress up in a costume, uh, s- dress, face paint. There's a usually of, a lot, lot of like, lot, lot has to do with like golden slippers. Everybody paints their their shoes gold. Oh, so it's a specific thing. Yes. Uh, well, guess what happened when the birds won the bowl? <laughs> uh, the chaos ensued, and at the same time, shocking and exactly what we expected. Celebrating crowds took over Broad Street. Mounted garbage trucks. Scale traffic lights shimmied up poles, especially greased by actual police officers. Then they snacked on horse manure. They set off fireworks Ooh. throughout the year. Uh, not every Philadelphian ate horse shit. <laughs> one guy, oh, one, one guy one did. Drunk idiot from Villanova did, or whatever <laughs> shitty college. That sounds right. Jeff. What do you know about? Tell me more about this guy. Why? Why is it? Why does he get that? I'm just. I'm just <laughs> assuming that he was from Villanova, because all those dudes are from out of town. They set Those off fire. are the dudes that. What's Go that? Go ahead. The, the, well, the out of town dudes are usually the ones that give us that like get blamed for rap. get blamed yeah. for everything. Oh, yeah. it's uh, you know there was a fight. It was at probably Pat's, a Yankees Pat's, fan that threw Pat's the battery and Gino's at stakes, and it's from people across the bridge in New Jersey. Do you know what the the funniest part is? You guys are like saying the guy who ate the shit was not from Philadelphia. This <laughs> <laughs> is the best part, but it's the hilarious part is obviously. You've you've heard of this? You've heard of this guy eating horse shit? I've seen, no, the, the horseshit story is new to me. Oh, I've seen the pictures. What? What? Yeah. Oh, you need to send those to me. No, <laughs> I don't no. think it. But I mean, that's like that's like the the whole. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to find this story. Uh, oh, they they got the whatever. But I mean that that that's like LinkedIn. I mean that's now. That's now one guy eats horse shit in, in celebration. I don't know how that's celebration, number one. But I mean, now everybody, in, wait, yeah, everybody yeah. in Philadelphia is a shit eater. Yeah. It's been, it's yeah. been, how do you top the guy that eats horse shit? Right. You know? Yeah. They, and they also refer to it as snacked, as if, you know, they write about it. The way they write this stuff, it's always hilarious because it's like when he's snacked on horse manure, it makes it sound like he wanted to. Like, it was like, he snacked on horse manure. They set off fireworks throughout the year. A fan continued to profess their love with tattoos, homemade T-shirts and murals, and even gloating billboards posted in New England. Super Bowl uh, showed the country what Philly was made of, for better or worse. He's still snacking on that. 
Well, I, I, you gotta. I mean, he he rides the coattails of how you know Philadelphia loses his mind. One guy. Hey, you, you, you know, you eat, eat some horse shit once, then you're a horse shit eater. Exactly. <laughs> that one guy, that's it. <laughs> for you're life. The, for life. For life. Yep. <laughs> what was that? What's that story? It's like you, you could build a million bridges, and then you're a big. <laughs> I think it's builder. hammer one nail, not a carpenter. I think it sucks. Um, oh, yeah, suck yeah, yeah. one horse, horse, right. horse. Eat, eat one horse turd, not uh, horse <laughs> turd eater for life. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, how do you fix a bad pothole in Philly? Graffiti apparently late in the winter, spring in Philadelphia uh, is notorious for a rash of potholes. And Man, 2000- the national news really doesn't like Philadelphia. This is no. This is a Philly. This is a Phil. This is this is the, <laughs> this is the BillyPen.com, which I oh, like very. Jesus Christ! Do you know about Billy Penn? Yeah, no, that's, I, I mean that. No, that, like that. That's it's good stuff. It's well written. BillyPenn.com is. is well written. That was the about. one who would tell you that the whole you know. Uh, not feeding Astros players is bullshit. Yeah, th- that's what I got. I, I got the good story. There was well-written stories from the uh, from Billy Penn. Uh, in 2018, there seems to be even more than usual. Some people were ready to take drastic measures to get them filled. A tire killer on Fifth Street between Thompson and Master plagued residents for six months before someone called it out with a giant profane graffiti. So some what they did was... <laughs> They took a spray paint and wrote and put an arrow at the pothole and wrote, this is bullshit. Um, they weren't wrong. No. Did they get it fixed? Uh, perhaps not. Two days, three to three days later, the Philadelphia Gas Works crew filled the hole. So that's how you fix a pothole. That might be the greatest way to fill a pothole. In, ever. In, ever. I mean, I yeah. had, we've had a pothole. We've had a pothole in front of our house. And every year it, it it destroys cars, and we write and we and we call the city in and call the city in and say, "Look, you're you're killing people's cars." And then finally, hey, you're welcome, New York. We fixed your problem. So get some spray paint, right? This is bullshit. There you, there you go. Goes. There you go. Uh, we already talked about the South Philly Italian market, double grease climbing pole, climbing the poles. <laughs> Um, I guess you're not supposed to swim in the Swan Memorial Fountain, but everyone does. What's the Swan Memorial Fountain? Um, I'm just imagining that's like Logan Square. Well, that's right, sure that. Logan Square. Okay, okay. Well, who cares, dude? How about I mean, when go ahead. You didn't see when there were the major like flooding and everything else like that. So 676 flooded and it's a like a major thoroughfare that goes through the city from like east to west um, from river to river basically, but goes underneath and it flooded. There was a guy who did like a backflip off of one of the streets into that. That that was like a major story. Yeah, I saw some things about that. There's another one of a uh, torch. When, when, when the flood, I mean, there, there was there were people kayaking in. You know, there, there's tons of development in areas that they start but then don't finish. So they'll dig a huge hole, and then it'll just be, uh, you know, looking like a lake for months at a time. Mm. A torch van got a parking ticket because the PPA is ridiculous. So a car was completely destroyed, <laughs> and so they gave it a parking ticket. What is the PPA? It's uh, the Philadelphia Parking, parking Authority. Authority. 
The PPA took ticketing to a whole new level in September this year when it dropped a violation notice on a vehicle that had literally been torched from the inside out. Firefighters responded to the blaze in uh, Mantois nearly two weeks ago, and before it burned up, a white board van parked with a no, on a no-stopping sign. Uh, since then, the van hasn't moved, and no city department took responsibility of towing it. Instead, it was given a ticket. Sounds about right. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to tow a car. You slap a, uh, a parking, st- uh, parking ticket on it. Oh, Easy peasy. Mo- more than one. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, so where are we going with it? How is uh, this? Is so funny. All these stories are so. <laughs> I mean, it's like oh, I dude. feel. Uh, I think Philadelphians are like so used to getting shit on, like all the time, that it's always just kind of uh, like a joke. Unbelievable. Yeah, like everybody's so, like. Uh, Oh, clearly we threw a snow. One guy threw a snowball at Santa, so we're all assholes. And well, is that? I mean, I've never watched. I never really watched the show. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, but it seems like that they kind of embrace that whole concept, right? Uh, the they kind of embrace that whole like Philadelphia is a piece of shit concept, but I mean, it, Philadelphia is really not. Like it's a it's a very tough city. It's not uh, very lovey dovey, but it's also a very giving city. Like it's a very understanding city where, um, like if you try the like, it, it's just very honest. Like if you do something stupid, they're gonna call you on it, but they're also gonna try and help you out and and get your way through it. And teach you what you did was stupid like teach you how to fix what you did and, and like kind of grow from it um like it's not a dumb city it's a very um i know what you're there's saying there's a lot of like craftsmanship there's a lot of like everybody's kind of grown up in a very like blue collar uh neighborhood so there's a lot of like brow beating and and like uh, look at what you did. That was stu- like, look at what you did. You see what you did? That was dumb. See, this is what what to me. I I'm you know I'm reading all these stories and I'm thinking to myself. I'm like, ah, maybe I'm giving. F- I know that I'm I'm I'm. It's <laughs> they're funny stories, but at the same time, it's just like because I know what it's like as a New Yorker because we get so many. I get I get basically what I've been doing late in the past number of years is anytime I put it out there on Knife Talk that if you go on Forge and Fire. And things don't work out for you. Don't sit in your hotel room. Stick, you know, send me a DM, and I'll give you how to get on the train, how to go in the city, and I'll give you a good day in the city. And yeah, I've that's got, amazing. That dude, that's dude, that's amazing. Well, but here's the thing: what I always say is, what I always say is, is you when you go into the city, you should by all means ask a New Yorker for directions because they're they're New Yorkers will happily are happily mm-hmm. helpful. And there, it's, 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 and, and I'm, I usually get, you know, guys from wherever, the South or Deep South who had never been to New York before, but they only heard what they've heard on television. And they'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm completely surprised. I always thought it was going to be a shithole. And you get these stories that, you know, like even these stories, I, now I'm starting to feel kind of badly because I'm like, yeah, you know what? These are some bullshit stories. Who gives a shit? 
it doesn't really, you know, if you go to if you go to Philadelphia, it's not going to be like going to Beirut in the eighties. You know, it's like I, I think that I think that yeah, we I, get these. You, this, you, there wasn't there wasn't really one highlight Philadelphia story in there. I was gonna like I was gonna try yeah, to bring what? it back. I was gonna try to bring it back, and it was really gonna. I, I don't know. Throwing batteries at Sam is pretty good. <laughs> I mean, well, that's the thing. It was pretty funny. I mean, this is say, listen, we, you know, New York fans are the are the are, you know we we booed Derek Cheater. We boo, I mean, we've the the greatest New York story is after nine eleven when they were going to when they the first game back after nine eleven. Derek Jeter says to George Bush, who's going to throw out the first pitch, if you throw it in the gr- if you throw it in the ground, they're going to boo you. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm the president of the United States." And I'm like, "They don't give a fuck. They, they don't if, give a shit. They don't give a f- if you don't get it over the plate, you're f- screwed." And he and I guess Bush said that was one of the most nervous parts of his whole presidency. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you get this, you get these stories, and they're they're hilarious to hold on to. But it does paint, you know, these cities that you don't have any experience in as you know. As awful. Perfect example is, uh, you know, now we're in, this is actually we're 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 recording this the night of the midterm elections, and I had overheard this uh, reporter talk to uh, one of the you know somebody running for New York, you know, the New York uh, whatever, and this w- woman this, the the reporter said, you know, we don't feel safe in the streets, we don't save, I don't feel safe on the subway, and in my yeah. mind I'm looking at this woman, I'm like, you've never been on the subway in your life. No, you know, the subway no. is like this one is incredibly is incredibly New York City subway system is very safe. Yeah, once in a while you get somebody throwing somebody on the tracks, but you're talking about millions of people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in the subway every day, and one slips through the crack in craziness, but it's you know still the safest city in the world, I think compared to per capita, per, compared to like a lot of these other cities and considering how many people are there. They get the, we all get these terrible reputations, but they're you know I I do believe in the, my heart of hearts that the Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Dude, I hear those like you know stories of Ben Snore going out in the you know living out there wilderness, and there's just animals. I don't know. He had a story. Get that. He Ben had like, a story <laughs> where a guy you know broke into his shop naked. And he had to like, you know, he had to like, he had no, he had no, he had a shirt on, no pants, on drugs, and he was like, <laughs> and he was trying to steal a tractor. Shit, I was just talking about the rattlesnakes and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> all these, we, you know, I, I, I think that that that, uh, that I'd be fine with. Uh, it's the, you know, I would say, else. I would say that Philadelphia. These stories are all nothing stories. I mean, yeah, all right, so they've. They don't give pizza to the Astros, or they don't. I mean, this is, uh, none I mean, of them are nothing stories. But like, yeah, like, is it really that? Like, does the how much does the one apple spoil the bunch? A lot. I think it loves to jump on it because yeah. it's, it's you know it's it is fun. sensational. These are fun stories. I mean, they're fun. Not they're, oh, they're, they're hysterical. They're fun like, and they're really they're not hurtful stories. But it does paint Philadelphia as like you know, hey, listen, everyone's walking around eating horse shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, we're not. There, like, I know, but no, I mean, uh, I'm not fucking doing that shit. We, yeah, I mean, it, we gotta, we gotta make sure that that happens. So it depends on how much you pay for it. Obviously, no, so, twenty bucks is twenty bucks, man. People pay a lot for you know some shit. We're gonna bring it back. We're gonna bring everybody back to Philadelphia. One of the things that I always, I never get in, in out of, out of, outside of Philadelphia is a cheesesteak. 
And mm-hmm. I was talking to my business partner who spends a lot, who lived in, I, we have a lot, we have uh, a, a coworker who, who lives in Philadelphia and, and they're, they're, they always, we talk about cheesesteaks. I would never have a cheesesteak outside of Philadelphia. What are you, do you have any, I have a list of the best to worst ranking cheesesteaks. Do you, do you have, what's your opinion on cheesesteaks versus roast pork sandwiches? Is there right. a guide that we should be, non-tourists should be looking at? So for, for me, I mean, I live two blocks from Cheesesteak Alley, which What's is... Cheesesteak Alley? Cheesesteak Alley is where uh, Gino's and Pat's meet. Huh. So those are the two big name Philadelphia cheesesteak places in the city, uh, right at Passionk and 9th Street. Neither of those are places that I would take family yeah, or friends those to. Those places suck. Yeah. Neither of those are, are places but, I would but, take family or friends to. Being that, I mean, that, that, I mean they're, they're just trying to stay open 24 hours a day making cheesesteaks. It's, it's not good. Um, Angelo's cheesesteaks are amazing. That's right at 9th and Fitzwater. Cosme's, which is a block from me, is also amazing. Cheesesteak, seeded roll, uh, Cooper Sharp. And then, what else do we have? Got those two places. Jim's, which was just on South Street, just had a fire like three weeks or three months ago. Oh, there's a fire at Jim's. Yeah, there That's, was a fire at Jim's, which was the South Street cheesesteak yeah, spot. Was the place. That's the only place I ever had a cheesesteak from. And it, with that, there, there was uh, the Philly Taco. So the Philly Taco was to get a, a slice of pizza from Lorenzo's, oh, which I is just down this. the block. Just down the block, you would go get your slice of pizza, which was extra large. Then walk a block up to Jim's, grab a cheesesteak. You would put that cheesesteak in the pizza, wrap it up. That's your Philly taco. That's terrible. That's a total abomination. I've never, I, <laughs> I, I've never had one, and I wouldn't like you know bring any family down for that. But that's an a abomination. Ton of, a, a ton of people would do that. See, I, see, I had years ago. I was probably nine years ago. But like, but like, John, but John's roast pork. There's John's roast pork, which is freaking amazing. Uh, if you if you want a pork sandwich, John's roast pork. But Angelo's or Cosme's for cheesesteaks is the way to but go. But what's I mean? Because there's other people have cheesesteaks, but what yeah, but makes I, a Philly so, cheesesteak? So, Philly so like cheesesteak. Angelo's for me, they I mean they're making their own bread every day, um, seeded rolls. Just the just the, the you know the meat that they're putting on there, um, the cheese. It's it's not like you know it's not frozen. It's not steakum. Jesse, are you a cheesesteak man? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And I I think like what makes good pasta like it's the amount of care you want to give it like. Uh, you making your pasta by hand? Are you like do the rolls matter in what you're doing? Like shit in shit out. Like 
a good cheesesteak, you put bullshit meat in there, you put bullshit, like, rolls, you put all that stuff in there. If, if it tastes like, sh- if it's shit going in, it's shit going out. So, Jim's uh, used to be great. Uh, there's a place on 202 in King of Prussia, which is a little outside of the city, but it was called Pudge's. And they used to make a killer cheesesteak. I think that we're just spoiled in this area with the the bread that we eat. Whether it's a bagel or, uh, you know, a long roll or a Kaiser roll. Because once you get away from, like, the East Coast, New York, or go anywhere Midwest, you get a, you get a roll or bread, and you're like, what the fuck is this shit? I'm going to read right? you, uh, I'm going to read you a ranking of the best Philly cheesesteaks from worst to first. This is from mm-hmm. Tasting oh, Table. Another one that's going to make us feel bad. <laughs> Number, no, worst to first. <laughs> All right. Worst to first. No, you're not feeling bad. This is like the worst to first. Number, the worst in this list of nine, 13 is Geno's is number 13. Number 12 is Cleaver's. Never even heard Where of the Cleavers. fuck is that? Number 11 is Sonny's Famous Steaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 10 is Pat's King of Steaks. Mm-hmm. Number 9 is Cosme's Deli. Ah, oh, so good. Number 8 is Campo's. Okay. 7 is Jim's. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, Jim's. 6 is Oh Brother Philly. Have you heard of that? Nope. Number what 5, Mike's Barbecue. Mike's is great. Number 4, Chubby's Steaks. Never heard of it. Number three, Joe's Steaks and Soda Shop. Nope. Number two what? is Woodrow Woodrow's Sandwich Shop. And number one is Delisandro Steaks. Is this a bullshit is this a bullshit list? Uh yeah. I, I mean I think I would Jesus think that Christ. like Angelo's would be in one or two. They're not even on the list. This is probably old. I was under the impression that I was under the impression. I, I, I don't think Woodrow's is even there anymore. I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know. I was. I'm under the impression that the real Philadelphia people eat the roast pork with the broccoli rob and provolone. They don't fuck with the cheesesteaks. Yeah. Oh, I definitely fuck with the cheesesteak. Oh yeah. Oh fuck yeah. I'm so fucking hungry for a cheesesteak. Yeah, but I make them at home. <laughs> oh, you like, do? I'm like, That's I'm, dude. I'm cheap. I'm cheap as shit. <laughs> this isn't a like. Oh, I'm better than everybody. This is. I don't feel like fucking paying. I, I need to bring you out some bread, Jess, because I don't know what the fuck you're putting those steaks on. It probably sucks. <laughs> you you can get decent rolls in bags in and around Philadelphia, but yeah. there's nothing like, uh, you know, a fresh baked seeded roll. Oh, I know. Well, we were getting stuff from Wire Wirebacher. Dude, that dude, that bread is great. Oh, it's fantastic! Oh, Jesus, that stuff's good. So that's a. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. I was just going to say, we've been, I've been, I feel bad that I've been bringing up all these weird, I like weird stories. Usually the weird stories on the show I usually bring up are from Florida, but I mean, you can only beat the brakes off of Florida for so much. <laughs> Send me, give me your love letter to Philadelphia. Tell the, tell our listeners, give the, the Pennsylvania love letter to the, to the rest of the country. Um, I, I mean, I think you said it. Like, it's like, it's like being in New York. Uh, it, when you come to the city, just ask somebody on the street, and they'll they'll tell you. They'll point you in the right direction. Whether it's if you want something to eat, if you're looking for something to drink, uh, anything to see that isn't in your like Google top ten. Ask somebody from Philadelphia, 
and they will point you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesse, Lo- love brief. letter. Yeah. Uh, give your give the you're the you're on the you're on the travel advisory board for Philadelphia or Pennsylvania in general. Send. Well, I th- I think it starts with go fuck yourself. All right, there you go. <laughs> but but like go fuck yourself. What do you need? <laughs> like, there you go. Mar- Jesse Killian, Marlboro Handmade, and Butch Sullivan. Oh Sully, oh Sully on Instagram, but not oh Sully. It's zero Sully. Fucking so confusing. On, it's fine. Where, by the way, Jesse, where does Marlboro Handcraft come uh, from? So uh, I live an hour outside of the city, and the township I live in is Marlboro. Um, and my uh, when I first started making knives, my wife was taking like all the handle scraps. And she was making, uh, like, necklaces and uh, earrings and this, that, and the other thing. So it became Marlboro Handcraft. And it just stuck and kind of stuck with it. Killian Knives really would be good. Well, I've already got, like, the, uh, I, I, the I touch own market. I, I, I own that. <laughs> I, I own that. <laughs> Web yeah, I gotta domain. Bought, <laughs> i got to buy it from Butch and... Uh, <laughs> I don't want to go through all that. All right. Uh, all right. No, it, it, I got the touch mark already made up, all this. I don't want to buy fucking all the shit for that. I'm with you. I'm with you. Guys! Yo, great time. Butch Sullivan, Jesse Killian, Philadelphia's finest, PA, the PA crew lives. These guys are great. Philadelphia's fantastic. Pennsylvania has a rich history in metalworking, and these guys are helping bring back that metalworking tradition or just keep going the metalworking tradition in Pennsylvania and yeah fuck yeah I'm, I'm very glad to I'm glad to fucking I'm glad to fucking know it so guys I want you to follow Butch I want you to follow Jesse and uh hey 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 fuck the Astros <laughs> and that's all she wrote bye guys see you next week alright thanks Yo. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Makers.